Hey everybody, welcome to the Freedom Now podcast, the Freedom Now podcast. And today is a great day because we have part two, part two. So would you please introduce yourself, sir, so we can get to rolling with this? What's up, everybody? I'm the corrupt author, Cedric Long, and I'm here today on Mr. Claiborne, Ernest Claiborne the Third's podcast, man. I'm, I'm, it's great to be back, and I uh, enjoyed our conversation and looking forward to continue it. Uh, let me throw in a little ad for myself, man. You guys, I'm an author, former correctional officer. Um, you can check out my works if you want to support me at corruptauthor.com. I'm going to turn it back over into the hands of our hosts for a second. And, you know, thank you guys for coming out and support. Okay, definitely. Because what we want to talk about is we talk about freedom on this podcast. And it could be no greater loss of freedom than being incarcerated. And you, you know, had the privilege and the honor to work as a correctional officer. But you've also dealt with some situation which that wasn't a privilege and an honor you feel that it's a burden so let's go ahead and start out with that why did you feel it necessary to write this book uh because uh people cannot have true sympathy unless they understand and they have the correct information so i definitely want to give people a honest um view of what it's like to work in a prison and um, deal with inmates, but I didn't want to paint that officers as dirty and corrupt, or officers as these unblemished uh, heroes, you know. And neither did I want to paint inmates as just, you know, throwaways, screw ups. And I don't want to paint them as victims. I try to be balanced and show you that um, that's that's my whole premise to show you no one's a hundred percent good. No one's 100% bad, but there's thousands of shades of gray in between. And I wanted to show you that spectrum, the faults in the officers, the uh, faults in the inmates, and also the good things, uh, intelligent inmates, respectful inmates. uh, um, Also, you know, dirty officers, rotten officers, corrupt officers. Oh, you know, I wanted to show a spectrum and I don't, I don't try to, paint anyone um, uh, uh, better than they are or worse I try to show that we all have faults we all should strive to be 100% good and we all have work to do okay that's interesting that you're talking about the dirty officers so what in your opinion makes somebody dirty well like I say it's it's very degrees but we hear about the horror stories um an officer, yeah, right. I worked at Tuckwiler Prison for Women. You can have an officer come in and he's marrying he a newborn baby and he starts having sex with an inmate and gets her pregnant. You know, um, well, is that is that a real thing? How did that well, happen? you know, I think it, I knew of eight incidents of uh, women getting pregnant by officers during my time. Of, you said eight, eight incidents? different incidents. And I felt like when they built, they actually built the women's medical facility. So when an inmate um, could, had a had a uh, baby while incarcerated, she could spend a few weeks to uh, 
on with the baby, but I don't think that was the sincere reason. I think they did not want uh, that inmate going to medical facilities because they've shown they had a track record of not giving a flying flip about inmates. Uh, but when a, what if people from the outside, you don't know the procedure. When an inmate comes in pregnant and she goes into labor, they send her to a free world hospital. And a lot of people have been complaining because chains are placed, restraints are placed on their uh, ankles, on their wrists, and around their belly. And that's a bad image. And people were making a lot of noise about that. And also, the, the mother has the child, is taken away from her, and she's sent back to prison. The child goes into foster care and that system. But um, I think it was a facade to, because the correction likes to hide his dirt, and that's why it festers and becomes uh, worse. So I felt like that that was uh, they used eight million dollars of funding to build a center so that you know the women could bond with with their babies for a few weeks, which is a good thing. But I think it was just to hide. Um, you know they don't want reporters finding out and coming putting it on the news that you know how did this woman get impregnant? She was she's been in prison three years. So that's a common occurrence all you have to do is google uh also arrested for having sex with inmate to come up all up all over the united states all over the world wardens have i remember a story in africa female warden fell in love with an inmate end up uh having sexual encounters with him and end up getting caught uh that's what my book is about it's called custodial misconduct and that's the premises. That's what the book is yes, about. Yes, it's a uh, corrupt officer's guide to love, and it it, it it goes, it's a fictional character, John Youngblood. That, he's a black male protagonist. He begins working at a women's prison, and he runs into his best friend, who was a female from childhood. But she's an inmate now, and he's an uh, officer. And there's the conflict of reconnecting with his friend and being attracted to her but also having a uh, uh, responsibility to do the right thing but it also is in a prison setting and I address a lot of a lot of the incidents or firsthand incidents that happened uh, at Tuckwaller uh, they're not word for word or key for key because that would not be legal for me to do that but I wrote it as a fiction and it is based off of real life experiences so I wanted to show people what's going on in the system so they can understand the full spectrum and not just hear uh, you know I think 31 officers had to, staff members not just all the staff members had had inappropriate relationships with inmates in a three year span and all of them were either arrested, fired or forced to resign and so you know it's a common thing among um, among correction officers and I can tell you from firsthand experience the corrections attitude is you know we don't really care about this that's not such a bad thing a man slept with a female inmate he's human let's just try to get him out of here to get the behavior stopped, but they're not, they wasn't in the past serious about trying to prosecute. I think it was just get him out the doors because the rumors are everywhere and it's messy. But I don't think they were serious in trying to prosecute or try to protect 
inmates from that behavior. Do you think there's a change? There's, there's been definitely a change? been a change. The Justice Department came in. They took, they threatened to take control of the prison. They shut down Draper, and they, um, I think, they forced this, uh, some people to out of the system. And they've handed down accountability. They've made a lot of. I've been tracking. They made a lot of uh, progress in privacy and showers. I don't think people understand. Uh, I was 23 when I started Department of Corrections. I go in there and my first day they make me go in the shower and count. And I'm in there with 12 naked women and water is shooting off their bodies, flashing on my boots while I walk through and count. And it was just a culture shock. Women on the toilet, you know, you look and watch them and stuff. And it's under the guise of security because it's a level five they have, which is level one through five, six, six being the most severe. Tuckwild was rated level five because of the amount of life without. They had death row inmates, and it's the only women's prison in the state of Alabama, which I think they need a mid custody facility uh, to kind of curb and influence better behavior instead of just throwing everybody in there with the people who just don't care about anything. Okay, you said something interesting because I think you transitioned to Draper. So you may mm-hmm. mention of a situation in which there's problems in the male prisons too, with the mm-hmm. DOJ shutting it down. So can you talk about, or does your book address any of that? Uh, yes, sir. Any I, the differences between the male. It's a okay. it's a three book series. The first, uh, this is a, this is uh, all of them follow the protagonists, uh, John Youngblood, and the first book was corrupt officers got to money and it deals with uh him working in a male prison and it deals with uh officers bringing in contraband to inmates uh the corruption there it deals with the bad negative things in the um in this within the system um one inmate he was terrible behavior and he hated he just hated law enforcement and we always had conflicts. And one day he just called me out because the SAP dorm was um, the SAP dorm was probably about I say 90% white. And it was the only dorm like that. Every other dorm was pretty much 80, 85% black. And I never really paid attention why the SAP dorm, all the whites were there. But there when judges sentence white criminals, they put they make SAP mandatory in their sentencing so when you have it mandatory that you have to have sap you come in and you skip everybody else so there's a waiting list and the waiting list may take you nine months may take you three years to get on the waiting list but if you have it mandatory in your sentence you get to skip the uh waiting list so you have blacks in there uh when they sentence a black they don't make the sap substance abuse program mandatory 